0: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios.
2: And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Fabulous Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for being with us here today, Kath. A little chilly there?
3: Well, strangely enough, you know, it's been very warm in here in the studio for the last couple weeks, but today I thought I'd get my little park out. Okay,
2: that's good. Why not? You know why? Why?
3: Because I'm getting all excited about Cheeseburger Day.
2: Oh, 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 okay. So every day is a day, right? <laughs> Not every, every day's day's a day is a day, but well, a lot of days are days. Most days are days. We right. like it. Uh, uh, today is National, this is the fabulous, National Cheeseburger day. Oh, my. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's that?
3: It's Jimmy Buffett. Oh.
2: Okay, that's fine. Whenever someone says cheeseburger, I always think of Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. You never see that skit. No, is that from SNL? Oh yeah, it's a fabulous Mm. skit. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Mike, look that up. Look up uh, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. Saturday Night Live, the cheeseburger. Because it's
3: got to sound better than Jimmy Buffett
2: a hundred thousand times. So National Cheeseburger Day. Let
3: us rejoice.
2: Mm. I mean, whenever I read that today, all day long, I've been thinking about cheeseburger. You've been thinking about it. Yeah, like a really good cheeseburger.
3: Okay. First question. Yeah. What kind of cheese?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Depending upon the mood, I would say. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. What do you
3: mean in your mood? But Like you might be in a Swiss mood or you yeah, might be in a, right, exactly. in a Gouda
2: mood? Right, exactly. <laughs> really? Well, because, you know, your burger is like your your standard, and so you can frame it around your mood. So wow. Yeah, why not? What, are you consistent? Always the same cheese?
3: Oh, yeah. Always. Always. What? I'm surprised by that. Oh, you're dis- of, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Well, no, I'm just
2: surprised. I'm not disappointed. <laughs> okay. But, you know, you're sort of a... A foodie foodish person well
3: yeah i, I always just, the same i just don't think you can oh no, no improve no. on cheddar no
2: well that's my go-to of course because it's sharp cheddar
3: it's so good sharp hard cheddar are you really going to find any piece of cheese that's as good as sharp cheddar on no, your no burger? no you
2: can i mean look you can do a gouda like you brought up that's it that's I a know nice you can. Mm, that's a good taste. you can do
3: a swiss i get that you can do an american because it's a very nicely melting can. cheese right but as far as taste, I just don't think you can get better than the cheddar.
2: That hard bite of that beautiful Love cheddar that. on a it's hot so flaming up. burger isn't mm. that delicious? Super Mike, delicious. what
3: about your cheese? Would you ask me? sir? <laughs> I'm,
4: okay. listening. I'm look, listening to the John. We're Belushi. moving along here. Okay, no, no, yeah, no, sorry about. he's to... working. He's no. working. Uh, I was listening to the John Belushi cheeseburger <laughs> thing. Would you ask? me? I like at... that awesome long <laughs> Holy pause. Heck.
2: You and I are doing this, <laughs> right. and all of a sudden we throw at the mic and yeah. like... What do, you, what do you want?
4: What are you going to have? I'll have a cheeseburger uh what cheeseburger no cheeseburger, Not cheeseburger.
2: <laughs> yeah i mean that's the whole routine these guys are short order cooks in a you know a, a joint a burger joint cheeseburger cheeseburger they're like a couple of greek guys
3: i feel like i want to see it now. oh you have
2: to see it cause all it's right really fun. would, would
4: to you see ask it. me that, yeah, i don't we'll care. care
3: cheese Forget i don't care anymore <laughs>
2: Now we're done with that okay so burgers okay we've talked no, about i did ask you what joints. kind of
3: cheese you like mike yeah.
2: cheeseburger cheeseburger what what do you okay. want on your burger you know what? Kind of what? I'm, I'm not picky. I'm oh, not picky. See, are we I'm, for that? I'm really
4: not picky. What? No, I'm not. I, okay. if, if I had to say anything, I'd say uh, give me give me a uh, American
2: cheese. That's no, it. like no,
4: no, kids. no, no, no. Give me Pepper Jack. Pepper- oh,
2: Pepper Jack.
3: Wait. Give me Pepper Jack. My
2: kid loves Pepper Jack.
3: That's a delicious cheese. It's yeah. It's Either a little.
2: That, I mean, little. It's deeply artificial, hugely manufactured. It I'm not is. really quite sure what Pepper Jack's it all cares. about. It
3: tastes good. Either that or Munster. Monster Munster. Munster is something we had not mentioned.
4: Uh-huh.
2: That's good. Okay. Munster
3: is a delicious cheese.
4: Yes, it is. It is.
2: Mm-hmm. It's got a nice bite to it as well, doesn't it? I like it? that orange exterior. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
4: Have you guys ever gone to Atria's? I think it's called Atria's across the street. Atreus. Yeah, whatever. PNC Park? No, it's right across the street.
2: Oh, there's a, it's a chain. There's They're, several. It's a, it's a regional thing. They right? have
4: this burger called the Chop House Burger. Really? Yeah. It has a Thousand Island dressing on it. I love it. Um, fried yeah. onions <gasps>
2: no i don't like a fried onion no keep going kind of grosses me out
4: uh lettuce mm-hmm. i already mentioned a thousand island dressing mm-hmm. and it's... bacon oh yeah bacon on mm-hmm. i mean look it's really really good of course it is again i'm a roof shingle. Again, you have now. a
2: roof shingle but bacon on it you're good to go yeah that's a good all point right. okay good. so uh national cheeseburger day uh where are you gonna go oh uh, you know where you're gonna go and i know I mean, where you're I'm, gonna go too
3: <laughs> i mean i'm going to desaro's there's no other option
2: no there's a lot of options in pittsburgh
3: Come on. That's the best option. That's uh, for the me single it is. best yeah, option. I agree. But, single you know, some option.
2: people would say, what? Um, uh, Burgatory. Burgatory. BRGR. Right. right. Uh, there's a lot of different places in town. I mean, you can,
3: you can go. go to Ruth's Chris or, you know, Morton's. No. If you're going to go to
2: Ruth Chris, you're going to go to Ruth's Chris and get a burger? I hope not.
3: Oh, there's there are a lot of. I oh, mean, you used
2: to go get a burger at Ditka's from time to time, didn't you?
3: It's a terrific burger yeah, i'm sure it is cause... it is it was the turkey burger that i loved the most oh, though the, the turkey worst. burger at Ditka's was but then they took it off the menu yeah i've been really disappointed who wants to have a turkey burger you See know who like... makes a really really nice burger mm. is a uh, meat and potatoes
2: oh are they still around we haven't been there for yeah. Long, have we? yeah
4: okay yeah it hasn't been that long since we've been there oh, yeah. guys ever been to burgers brewing in lawrenceville no i heard, no. It's, I heard it's wonderful that mm-hmm. and uh wing wing hearts mm-hmm. oh yeah
3: i've been to wing hearts that's in uh, market square yeah. yes. okay
2: right. how do you like your burger okay you're gonna go to a, okay go-
3: this is a this is a, a line of demarcation right
2: how do you like to have your burger prepared right medium rare me, me too now mike, mike where are you medium Medi- medium not medium rare too, medium
4: too juicy for me for no mm. no for,
2: give me that okay okay depending upon though where you go because there are some places where i go I- i'm gonna have a burger I don't have a total confidence in the establishment. Mm-hmm. I might want to be safe and do a medium.
3: Listen. you do a medium rare, it, you're giving... It's you know, a you... lot like buying women's clothes. Tell me. <laughs> a size 6 in Macy's mm. is not the same as no. a size 6 at the loft. Of course. Or, the, or a size...
2: Right. Kathy's fashion rules. That's Kathy
3: Ann's fashion rules. I'm telling you, it's very frustrating. Of course. But it's it is. not what it is. So, I, you know, in one place I'm a two, in one place I'm a six, in one place I'm a. It's crazy. Right. Right. That's what it's like when you order something medium rare. Sometimes it's super red inside and you think. well, is this okay? Really? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I want to eat all the way to the middle.
2: Yeah. Of course you do. If it's a good place, if it's Tassaro's, right. you're going to go. You're going to eat. Because yeah, those guys know right. burgers. Right? Feel-
3: I, don't, I don't mind the red meat, but
4: if, if you're having so much juice and blood cl- coming out of that thing yeah. and you're your
3: bun gets all soggy? Oh no, I like That's, the soggy bun a no. lot. I really like. Here's <laughs> no. the problem though. What I mean, that is if, a pitcher. what if it's not really hot? That's when I don't like it. Right. If it's if you're getting to the if you're getting to the center and it's kind of cold, then I'm
2: out. No, yeah, you're Yeah, in I cannot
3: right, possibly right. do that.
2: Okay. So Good Eats, the website Good Eats. Fabulous website, right? They did a survey. They're curious about how people like their burger cooked. Do you like super rare, completely cooked through? Uh, here's the poll. Uh, 408 votes this was last week mm-hmm. um let me see well done people had uh 15.6 percent of the vote
3: well those are all sad votes well every done. single one of those votes is Why a would you sad do that? vote it's a hockey puck you can't even it doesn't taste like anything it, at that point
2: for me, the perfect burger, though, is like sort of a crust on the outside.
3: The char outside yeah, exactly. and the pink inside. Exactly. I know. That is very hard to achieve. I agree. Very yeah. hard to achieve. You have to have a really hot grill mm-hmm. or skillet to and pull that it off. And watch it carefully. Yes.
2: Okay, well done, 15%. Medium well. Medium well? Medium well. That's not even the I same feel thing. Like,
3: I feel like at that point you're just indecisive. Right.
2: 30% want a, a burger medium well. Come on. 30%. Medium? Yeah. 29%.
3: Well, that's Mike's.
2: That's a lot. Medium rare, you and I, twenty one percent. All right, and rare. Yeah, two point five. Yeah, rare. I mean, what the heck's rare?
3: So more people are like Mike than mm-hmm. are like us.
2: Yeah, yeah. It certainly tips towards medium, medium well, and well done. Right. That's. I'll
3: uh, so, well, see. That's yeah, that's... Either of you ever tried a rare burger though?
4: What do you oh, mean tried? Listen to me. My
2: mother,
3: <laughs> my mother. My mother. Has had more rare hamburgers in her life rare. than any. Oh my gosh! Really? Yeah, with a red onion on top. That's pretty red good. Onion. No, that is. Wait, no, I don't like rare, and I can't do the red onion. I mean, I love you, Nan, but right, well, we're not doing that.
2: Happy National Cheeseburger Day! I bet
3: Nan's having a burger. Wish she would. Uh, a cheeseburger.
4: No more cheeseburger. <laughs> no more cheeseburger. <laughs>
5: 101.5
1: WORD. Where this could be you. Ah! Is wonderful. <laughs> Listen Sunday afternoon to win tickets to see Crowder and Mercy Me in concert at PPG Paints Arena October 4th. Thank you so much. <laughs> There'll be lots of chances to win tickets and Crowder CDs. And all weekend, we're shining the music spotlight on Crowder's greatest hits. The best music. The best giveaways.
4: Weekends were made for great Christian music on
6: WORD. Guys. Waking up over and over to urinate is not okay. But now you can reduce those nighttime bathroom trips with the ingredients in Super Beta Prostate P3 Advanced. We're talking about less urges to urinate at night, less bathroom trips during the day, and better bladder emptying. It's like taking three prostate supplements in one. You can try a full 30-day bottle of P3 Advanced. Free. Just Just pay shipping and handling. No strings attached, no obligations, and no commitments to buy. This is a 30-day supply, absolutely free. Call 1-800-458-7270. Super Beta Prostate is the best-selling brand in major retailers like Walmart. But for this no-strings-attached, free bottle, you must call now. 1-800-458-7270. Don't miss out on this unprecedented free offer. 1-800-458-7270. 1 800 458 7270.
5: At the Original Mattress Factory, our mattresses and box springs aren't just American made, they're hometown made. Our products are hand built one at a time in local factories, using only the highest quality materials. And each of our employees is also an owner. So when you purchase from the Original Mattress Factory, you're not only getting a quality mattress at a factory direct price, you're also supporting your local economy. Visit an original mattress factory location near you to see what Hometown Made is all about. Bart, it's an amazing song.
1: Maybe you've seen the movie. It's kind of happening. Now see them live in concert. The Imagination Tour, featuring Mercy Me. I can only imagine. With special guest Crowder. Word FM welcomes Mercy Me coming to PPG Paints Arena October 4th. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com.
3: The first few visits for a kid can really shape their future outlook on dentistry.
1: Stock Family Dentistry, where exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care.
3: Time and time again, adult patients who have a phobia of dental treatment, it really started from a bad experience in childhood. And so if we can do everything in our power to make sure that the first few visits are fun, then it really sets up the patient for no fears when it comes to returning.
1: Harriet highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com.
2: Whenever I get anxious, this is just a, a nervous thing of mine. Whenever I get anxious, I jam my feet, my two toes specifically on my right foot, into the ground.
3: I've witnessed this over many years in multiple situations.
2: During the presidential election cycle... <laughs> I jammed my foot into the ground so often and so hard, (laughs) I had to go see a foot doctor. Seriously. This is is
3: a true story. It's a
2: nervous tick. I know. You
3: think he's making... No, he's...
2: Really? I I was limping. This actually happened. My anxiety caused me to limp about the presidential (laughs) election between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Now we're ready to do this again.
3: Right. And how are your feet?
2: Not too good. I'm really... I'm not too good. So how do we look at the presidential election coming up? Daniel Bennett is with us, Daniel's associate professor of political science, assistant director of the Center for Faith and Flourishing at John Brown University. He wrote a piece that we picked up called How Christians Can Prepare for the 2020 Election. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much
7: for having me.
3: So, Daniel, it's not just John's feet that suffer, but all all of us have, you know, some variety of emotional trauma from 2016 because it was just, I would say, the worst of American politics on display. Now, we're almost four years later. It doesn't seem like anything's gotten better as far as social interaction. And so I'm wondering how you look at your classroom full of college students and give them, what, hope, a directive? What are you telling them about this next election cycle?
8: Well, there's
7: already anxiety on campus. Uh, we've been having discussions about how to promote better civil dialogue uh, here on campus. We just had a discussion about that today. Uh, so we're getting, we're getting ready for it. It's over a year away, uh, but we're already sensing that sen- you know, sense of anxiety and tension on campus. The biggest thing from that piece is we have to remember where our identity ultimately lies. And it's a lot more complicated than that in practice, but it's also very simple. Mm -hmm. If we remember that we're Christians first, everything else should fall into place.
2: Yes. So to look at the world and ourselves as Christ-centered, first and foremost as believers in Jesus, of course. But the problem, Daniel, and I know you know this, is that the president has surrounded himself with believers Mm -hmm. who... I mean, I'll just be, you know, who are, are less than, I believe, honorable men and women. I'm just going to be honest with that. That's my perspective, which is what causes me to have this anxiety, because it, it makes me anxious to see, you know, people up there who are whispering to the president's ears who I think really are believers. Yeah,
7: no, it can be frustrating for people of faith to uh, see the public witness, at least of, you know, the, the broader public witness. uh to a culture who might not be familiar with the faith uh, portrayed in a negative way. But ultimately, we can control our own uh, interactions with others and our own uh, witness to others. And so I think that's where we need to refocus some of this conversation, because some of it's out of our control, right, ultimately. Right. Thank
3: you. Let's talk about negative partisanship. I mean, yeah. I'd ask you to define the phrase, but I'm pretty sure that we can all... <laughs> all <right. laughs> we can so, all figure out what it means.
7: So imagine you're a sports fan like I am. And What's I your really team? liked it. So, so I was a college football fan. I'm from Oregon, so I'm an Oregon Ducks fan. Sure. That's okay. my team. Uh, and I love to see Oregon win. I really like to see the University of Washington lose. Mm, that, that, sure. That's really, that's really nice for me. Oh. Satisfying, absolutely. <laughs> um, now, apply that same mentality to politics and governance, and you see where we are. <laughs> <laughs> right, You take more pleasure in seeing the other side suffer a defeat or a humiliation. Sure. And actually, take pleasure in good policy making or compromise, right? And uh, that's a problem.
3: Yeah, that is a problem. You know, I, I thought about th- that a lot over the last month. We've had a couple um, guests on our show from Comment Magazine who've talked about the difficulty of building something and just how long it takes to create something. Whether you're creating a, a bit of art, or you're working on a dinner, or you're starting a new business, or whatever it is, it just takes a long time to build something. But tearing something down is the easiest, fastest thing in the world. And so when I think about how it is that we talk about ideas or how we talk about politics or politicians, it is so much easier to just go after somebody than it is to be a person who's trying to come up with a policy.
7: I think that's absolutely right. And I think it's exacerbated in a sense by uh, social media Mm -hmm. where, you know, something that's sensational or seen as a huge Zing on a person can go viral pretty quickly, whereas a more constructive critique, uh, complemented by uh, constructive criticism uh, about actual policy, kind of flies under the radar. It's much more—it's much sexier, excuse my language—to to go after someone in a negative way. Right.
2: Daniel Bennett's with us from John Brown University. So then, Daniel, as this is incumbent upon us in yeah. 2020 looms, how as we then as believers, how can we align ourselves to be Christlike in all of our conversations, our thoughts, our prayers as we look to the next election?
7: yeah you know so i I offered three ideas or three uh things to look for uh you know the first and foremost is to see whoever you're talking to, whether you agree with them, disagree with them, whatever uh as made in the image of God because ultimately they are made in the image of god uh and this is simple in a sense uh and it shouldn't it should apply to more than just politics uh We should also attempt as christians uh especially as Christians, to listen and to listen well. To others with whom we disagree. This doesn't mean sacrificing our own beliefs or our own values, but trying to understand where people are coming from with humility, but also with the confidence that comes in Christ, knowing that all truth is God's truth. And then lastly, we embrace our identity in Christ as the ultimate essence of who we are, not the outcome of an election.
3: First of all, every one of those points is worthwhile, um, and we're we're not going to have time to dig into each one of them, but I do really appreciate your encouragement for us to understand people with whom we disagree. And I, I think we're falling down horribly in that right now. We're so, um, okay, so let's just, let's go into the realm of politics in a in a, a current news cycle and talk about the Kavanaugh thing. Mm-hmm. So Kavanaugh's back in the news. Um, the New York Times posts their, you know, social media tweet, I think it was Saturday night, in which it kind of just talked about the Kavanaugh story in relation to what happens when someone who doesn't belong in like an upper crust circle ends up at Yale. But then, of course, someone lands on this, you know, little bit of the Kavanaugh story that's at the end of the article, which really isn't anything new. If you would have been reading about it all along, the Internet blows up. Oh, my gosh, there's a new accusation. And then people are hating Kavanaugh. We need to impeach him. Every single one of the Democratic candidates for president, other than Biden, says he needs to be impeached. Then people on the other side are saying the New York Times (laughs) needs to be impeached. I mean, and as I was listening to it, the thing that was so surprising is I realized that neither one of those two sides, pro-Kavanaugh or anti-Kavanaugh, had really read anything that had been written by the other side. Because if you would have, you would have realized there's nothing new in that New York Times piece. That had been talked about. That had been written about. That was an old story. But Everyone on the left had never read anything that was written by anyone on the right about it. And so all of a sudden people are like, oh, my gosh, this is like breaking news.
7: It's so much easier to have our minds made up and to go with the evidence that confirms what we already believe than it is to read something that challenges what we believe, not taking it you know, wholesale and, and unquestioning. But doing so in a way that challenges what we believe in a positive way. Right.
2: Okay, so Daniel, you're a political science professor. And, you know, you're you're forced to engage in this process. Yeah, this we're really, I'm really sorry life. for you.
7: Thank you for your sympathy. <laughs> yeah. But, you know,
2: I mean, so, but Kath and I, you know, when, when the last election in 2016, when we were nearing election day, anytime we would talk politics, we would get an email saying, uh, you know, I detest you and the show. I'll never listen again, yada, yada. And so I, I laid down the gauntlet and I said, Kath, this is unhealthy for us just as, you know, as means of communication. We need to talk. We need to stop to talk about politics because it's toxic for everybody who's engaged. We need to be, as believers, in some way an oasis to step away from this madness.
3: Oh, wait, now let me interject and say we got those emails from people on both sides. So people were okay. hating us fully from both different from both perspectives, saying that either we didn't love the president enough or we didn't hate the president right? Enough.
2: And so, right. you know, your points about seeing each other as you know vessels of Christlikeness to listen and to listen carefully—all that is very important and, and a necessary part of the exchange. But at the same time, look at where we are, and I don't know, you know, social media or cable news or whatnot, how to engage to be so empathetic and compassionate, at the same time wise, in our political well, you don't, stratosphere. You don't, know, you don't
3: know if there's space for that?
7: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I would hope that there still is, especially in the Church. If it's not coming from the Church, then I think hope is lost. And so thankfully, we have a Redeemer who gives us that hope that's so much bigger than what we can imagine. And I hope it doesn't sound, sound like I'm being naive, because I think it would be pretty e- easy to write this off and say, well, this isn't going to matter, it's not going to change anything." Um, our job as Christians shouldn't be to believe that we are completely changing the conversation or completely redeeming culture. You know, only Jesus can do that. But we can reflect His light into a dark culture, uh, even if it's just a little bit at a time.
3: I'll take it. Okay. So, just beams of light. Yes. Wherever we can bring them in. Yeah. And
2: so, Daniel, talk about on campus. So, you're already with your students right now. 2020 looms. Mm-hmm. How How is it working? You know, I mean, we we hear a lot of stories about academia and how things are off the rails. At John Brown, what's the conversation like?
7: Well, I, I said this at the beginning of the article, but our campus is fairly apolitical, especially among the student body. There's just low levels of political engagement among our students. Uh, People typically don't care a ton. Uh, Maybe this is because the election hasn't really kicked into high gear yet. Uh, but there's already a sense of anxiety from the more plugged-in students, folks who are really on board with Trump's re-election campaign and others who are really opposing this in the student body. We're already seeing conflict come up in the classroom, and so that's why we're having these civil dialogue conversations. How can we encourage tough conversations, but to do so in a way that not only glorifies Christ, but is actually productive for our students? Amen
2: to that. Hey, Daniel, thanks. We appreciate your evenness on a very difficult subject. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure, yeah. Uh, Daniel Bennett from John Brown University, Associate Professor of Political Science. He wrote a piece at the Gospel Coalition called How Christians Can Prepare for the 2020 Election. Daniel Bennett.
1: Get away without going far. Lose yourself without being lost. At Antiochian Village near historic Ligonier, 300 acres of pristine woodlands await to refresh and inspire you. With 100 hotel-style lodging rooms, 20 meeting rooms, amazing food, and award-winning desserts, it's 360 degrees of mountain views bathed in the warmth of Christian hospitality. Book your next church or youth retreat now at antiochianvillage.org.
4: The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with a Progressive Box.
1: Oh, what
2: a great audience.
4: Let's stem the
1: lights for this next one. Nope, oh, too much. Ah, there it is gotta get things just right like progressives name your price tool tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget and now the mood
0: is right wait the lights are back on again Trudy, can you and now it's
9: completely dark Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Providence Presbyterian Church. Washington Alliance Church. Bethlehem Lutheran Church. St. John the Baptist Church. Impact Christian Church. The Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction the choice for churches see the projects begin the journey at nelloconstruction.com what you want is awesome new flooring at a great price what you don't want is to spend hours at a showroom looking for it with at-home flooring you won't have to at-home flooring is where awesome happens and their family's been bringing awesome straight into Pittsburgh homes with top-quality hardwood, tile, carpet, and vinyl for over 50 years with their free shop-at-home experience, along with great selection and professional installation. So forget the showroom and schedule a little bit of awesome instead. Visit At HomeFlooringPGH.com. Imagine owning a piece of jewelry that once belonged to Bette Midler, Florence Henderson, Burt Reynolds, Shirley Temple, even Elvis Presley. Then don't miss Trinity Jewelers' Estate Jewelry Event, one day only Tuesday, September 24th. From 10 to 7 p.m., estate jewelry experts from the Singer Estate Collection will showcase a dazzling display of celebrity pieces and exquisite finds from around the world. All pieces will be available for purchase one day only, 10 to 7, Tuesday, September 24th. Trinity Jewelers Mount Nebo Road at trinityjewelers.com. Driving home is more relaxing without worrying about malware on your devices or identity theft. LifeLock with Norton. Outstanding protection for your identity and devices. For a limited time, get 30% off your first year. Ends October Join at LifeLock.com. Use promo code RISK. Train up children in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. PittsburghChristianSchools.net will help you locate true educational partners in Allegheny, Beaver, Butler, and Washington counties. PittsburghChristianSchools.net.
10: Sunny and beautiful this afternoon with a high of 77. Tonight will be clear and cool, low 54. Plenty of sunshine at Pleasant Tomorrow, high again 77. For Friday, mostly sunny, a little bit warmer, high 80. On Saturday, nice warm day, sunshine mixing with clouds, high 82. On Sunday, partly sunny and still warm with a high of 84. With your RACU weather forecast, a meteorologist, Joe Lundberg. For the
2: So the secret life of plants. I mean, don't you enjoy being in the outdoors and seeing God's handiwork in nature? Yes. Right, your or your own house plants. I, was say,
3: um, I feel that way indoors a lot of the time, yeah, also.
2: Right. Well, yesterday, a Union Seminary, I think it's one of the oldest seminaries in the country. They're they're in uh, New York City, in Harlem. On their um, Twitter page, they posted um, this: Today in chapel, we confessed. To plants. Together, we held our grief, joy, regret, hope, guilt, and sorrow in prayer, offering them to bring who sustain us but whose gifts we too often fail to honor. What do you confess to the plants in your life? And then beneath that tweet, there is a photograph of about an assortment of 10 or 12 plants, house plants. None of which are looking good. No, laid out on a carpet of dirt. And then there are people sort of in a um, lotus position, you know, sort of meditative. And then behind the plants are about 15 or 20 human beings sitting in chairs as they confess at Union Seminary to the plants. Now, this is a... What you would consider, I mean, well, what has been known as a Christian seminary. A mainline seminary, seminary, yeah. It's a mainline seminary. It's a Presbyterian seminary. But they confess the plants. Now, of course, immediately. I I would encourage you to go and see uh, on Twitter Union Seminary and its photograph, because it is absolutely, I mean, I, I don't do it justice in the ridiculousness of it. But there are many comments that are filled with, what um hope or um, yes, sense. in in accordance with that saying right. yes you're right you know we we do destroy god's nature we do we have harmed the earth yes but i got to be honest i i never have even considered sitting and having a con- a confession to my plants
3: mm-hmm. right so i think if you don't engage in the comic element of it you might be missing out on a portion okay because you you just have to you have to acknowledge that this is you know the
2: it's a little there it, is high comedy here there is okay especially the photograph the, the photograph well, no. is
3: what is is
2: is just really but the tweet itself is the, kind of bizarre the,
3: the tweet so but i've had all day to think about it yeah okay and um i think this is where they've gone wrong is that When you're asking forgiveness of a non-sentient thing, then this has become ridiculous. Yeah. Now, if you were looking at the plants and you asked God's forgiveness Mm -hmm. for how you have not honored the natural world,
9: that's that's a whole
3: different thing. That is a whole different thing.
2: God can offer you that.
3: So Union Seminary has responded to this. and uh, Because they were mocked they were. I mean, from, you can't even imagine. And look. As well they should. Let's be honest. They, they deserve some mocking. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we can miss out on that. However, this is what they said. We've had many questions about yesterday's chapel. Uh, in worship, our community confessed the harm we've done to plants. Okay. But that's different. The harm we've done to plants. Their initial tweet was they confessed. To the plants. To the plants. Right. Okay. And here, now they're talking about they've confessed the harm we've done to plants. Okay. Okay. So then it goes on to say we're in the throes of a climate emergency. Um, f- and I appreciate this. far too often we see the natural world only as resources to be extracted for our use. Of course not divinely created in their own right and worthy of honor, thanks and care. I okay, totally buy. Me too. 100%, I buy into that 100%. Yes. okay They go on to say we need to unlearn habits of sin and death. Now, first of all, I think that that's important, too. But the only way, this is where I, I divide from them, yeah. is that if we don't have a restored relationship with the Creator through Jesus, Nothing we can try as hard as we can to unlearn habits of sin and death, but it's not going to work.
2: Right?
3: It's just, look at it's our just, nature. Yeah, look at who we are, okay? It's just empty. It's, okay. it's, it's pagan. So they're taking... A a pagan approach to something that I believe does have some merit. I I just I I feel like they they, leave God out of the equation exactly, and leaving God out of the equation is just makes it silly. Right, and it makes it you know you you have to come up with a snarky reply because it's just over the top anyway. But let me just close with this: Union Seminary says um, churches have a huge role to play in this endeavor which is building bridges to the natural world. Theologies that encourage humans to dominate and master the earth have played a deplorable role in degrading God's creation. I think that you could make an argument for that. I think you could also make an argument against that. That that That's a discussion we could have. Um, but we must birth a new theology, a new liturgy to heal and sow, replacing ones that reap and destroy. I think that we could – that would be a bridge that I could start with with Union Seminary. I do believe that we can promote liturgies that heal and sow and – Instead of reap and destroy. I get that. Sure. I get that. But if God is not in your equation, then that's where you and I have to part ways. Because come on.
2: So all day long I've been thinking about this, that, I mean, the school year is just underway. So this is Union Seminary teaching and preaching three weeks or so into the session. What the heck's going on? Now, on the Twitter feed, some wit says, how can we literally look like pagans? And there's a poll israelite priest in ezekiel 8 or union seminary and 395 people have voted so who took that poll just some wit on some person yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. okay i mean in this photograph to be honest even the plants look embarrassed (laughs) they really do i'm sorry
1: let me water your plants
7: (laughs) come on let the boy water your plants
0: 101.5
1: 101.5 WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. Did you know the book of Revelation can shed light on what's going on in our world? Things are happening in the world today,
6: friend. Pick up your Bible in one hand the newspaper in the other hand, and you can tell that we are living in the closing shadows of the end of an age. The child of God ought not to be in ignorance in these pregnant times in which we are living.
1: Learn from Adrian Rogers' series, The
2: Triumph of the Lamb, this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. They blow into town with the wind, rain, and hail. Out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit windows R Us Pittsburgh com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows or Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course, windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip down when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company at Windows R Us Pittsburgh.com. Mention Word FM for an additional 10% off at Windows Pittsburgh.com. That's Windows R Pittsburgh.com.
4: Bart, it's an amazing song.
1: Maybe you've seen the movie. It's kind of happening. Now see them live in concert. The Imagination Tour featuring Mercy Me. With special guest Crowder. you, Word FM welcomes Mercy Me coming to PPG Paints Arena, October fourth. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com.
3: Looking. For a satisfying career helping people with disabilities? Consider LifeSteps, who's served Western Pennsylvania since 1923 and offers 100% paid health, dental and vision premiums for full-time employees. All shifts available. Make a difference and call LifeSteps today at 724-283-1010 or visit LifeSteps.net. That's LifeSteps.net to check out available positions. LifeSteps is an equal opportunity employer.
1: Today's world craves leaders, leaders with vision, moral character, and independent thinking. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And since 1986, Rhema Christian School in Moon has laid the foundation that makes leaders. Through academic and extracurricular activities designed to be as instructional as they are competitive, through mission and service opportunities, arts and athletics, an independent school where pre-K through 8th grade students are formed to become the independent leaders of tomorrow. Schedule a tour at rhemachristianschool.org.
2: You know, there was a time, right, most men went to work, most women stayed at home. That was just America for a long, long time. And, of course, you know how this is. I mean, everything's changed. Generally, in most marriages, husband and wife both work to supply the means necessary to support the family. That's just where we are in 2019. We saw an article which caught our attention, um, and I think it sort of resonates with a lot of us. Meryl Hur is with us. She wrote a piece called "What You Want to When You Want to Stay at Home with Kids, but Can't." Uh, Meryl is a, an adjunct professor at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, Cornerstone University, as well as the founder principal of something called the Good Works Group Consulting Firm. She's with us here right now, and uh, Meryl, thanks for coming along today. We appreciate your presence.
11: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
3: Meryl, this is an important topic. I'm sure many young women have come to you with this type of scenario or a different type of scenario. You know, maybe I make all the money and my husband doesn't, but he doesn't want to stay at home with the kids. I mean, there are all sorts of permutations of this. Um, So talk about the, the most important things to consider when someone, whether it's the husband or the wife, wants to stay at home.
11: Yeah, that's a great question, um, Kathy. And that's something that we've um, been considering even in our own family over the past seven years since we've um, become parents. I was the stay-at-home parent for seven years, and we've recently, just in the past month or so, made the switch to my husband being the primary caregiver while Mm -hmm. I stay at home. And I think that some of the most interesting or most important things to think about are One, um, what does it mean to honor God and the responsibilities that he's given me um, in this stage in life? And so that means thinking through, um, he's given me the responsibility to be a wife and to be a parent to my child. And so um, what does it mean in my particular circumstance? Does one of my children or do more of my children need extra care? Um, Then maybe um, they might receive at a daycare or in school? Do they need an extra presence home um, in the afternoon? So I think that's really important. I think it's also important to think about what does it mean to um, steward the resources God has given you? And um, do you have enough to make ends meet? Um, Are you living under a yoke of extreme financial stress? And does it make sense for one or both parents Um, to be working, to um, adding income to the family. Um, And I think we're also thinking about um, not just having the financial means to care for your family, but also the financial means to be generous toward others. Mm -hmm. So when we have um, one or multiple earners in the household, that also frees us to um, invest our resources in other um, people and other organizations um, and to partner with God and His work in the world in those ways.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's those are that's a really good answer to the question. Um, I think each person's scenario is also different and that's why it's hard to come up with hard and fast rules. In fact, I don't think we should come up with hard and fast rules because I think everybody's situation just presents in an, in a unique way. Um, I think the hardest thing that my husband and I dealt with when we had kids, um, was me going from being, you know, we had a 50, 50 split, uh, income wise. And I decided that we decided that I wanted to stay home with the kids. And so we lost 50% of our salary instantly. Um, and so, so that was hard. So it was coming up with like a whole new way of approaching family finances. But second of all, I did not realize how much of my identity I had gotten from work. And so being so, we were way, way, way different economically, and I was way different emotionally. That was a toxic mix. So
2: you were broke and in an emotional despair. Yes,
3: I was. And we didn't expect either one. Now, we knew we were going down, obviously, 50% of salary, but we had also been pretty good savers. And so we were like, oh, this really isn't going to be that big of a deal. It's a big deal.
11: It is it's really hard. And we've, um, we've been in that though recently as my husband, um, resigned from his job. And then we spent a few, several months, um, applying for jobs and trying to see what the Lord might open up for us. And, um, the way that he opened up was a way of stepping forward in faith and me attempting to grow my consulting business. And, um, that's meant some hard conversations about money, um, because money has been much tighter the past few months. And, It's been hard, especially, I think, for our kids to understand that, right? Um, Mom, why can't we do this? Mom, why can't we buy this? Well, honey, we don't have the money to do that right now. Maybe in the future we can, um, but we can't. But I think you're right uh, about the psychological distress, too. And I think that's a reality not only um, when we change roles, maybe from being um, somebody who's primarily in the workplace to primarily at home, um, but I think there's also um, some emerging research on um, the psychological effects of being in a job that's not a great fit. So um, that's why I brought up the, in the article this idea of job crafting. It resonated so much with me because I've been in jobs um, where that they've just totally drained me, and I've felt awful at the end of the day. And so I come home um, with you know, maybe signs of depression or anxiety, um, just really distressed because my work is not a good fit for me. And so um, when we're considering how we think about work and our family situations, we also have to realize that, if we're in a workplace that's causing us a psychological distress a psychological distress, it may also cause psychological distress to our family. Mm,
3: that's a good point. That's a good point. We're talking to Meryl Hur, adjunct professor at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and Cornerstone University, as well as founder and principal of the Good Works Group Consulting Firm. Um Meryl, let me bring up another thing that was hard for me when I was home with my kids. Um was after i had a uh, after i'd gotten to the adjustment uh through the adjustment stage of this is how much money we're going to make i became very dissatisfied with my husband's job mm. and which i had never been dissatisfied with before and, and i and did that flow I, into I dissatisfaction was, with your husband yes mm-hmm. i was proud of my husband until it came time for him to be the sole wage earner and all of a sudden it was like i wasn't proud anymore because i was Upset that he didn't make more because it was so hmm. hard and money was so tight. and I spent way too much time, I want to say a good five years uh, in this cycle where I was I was always encouraging him to look for a different job. I was always thinking, you know you could do this, you could do this. and I, I remember where I was sitting in my living room the day that God spoke to me and told me to stop doing that right stop beating him there's, up. right there's a there's a verse from jeremiah i was reading and it said this is part of the judgment is that the people won't even see prosperity when it comes mm. and i realized that i was living a prosperous life because i had a husband who loved me and i had children who loved me and i had a home to live in i was a prosperous person and i couldn't even see it I could not see my own prosperity. So ever since then, anyone who's listening, who is in that cycle of being dissatisfied with your spouse because he or she doesn't make enough, you have got to realize what you have. And don't stay in that cycle. Do not stay. I can't tell you the liberation that my husband and I both experienced when I stopped doing that.
11: I think that's a great point, Kathy. And actually, it's something that I've been reflecting on the past week or so. Um, We were traveling in Upper Michigan for a family vacation, and um, I was noticing the socioeconomic level of the area that we were visiting and just comparing it to places where I currently live and places I've lived in the past. And noticing the disparity there, but then I noticed that God was working on my heart to say, they may not be rich in terms of their material possessions or their homes or their cars, but these people may be rich in family. They may be rich in deep community ties. They may be rich in um, myriad ways that I can't even comprehend. Um, And so, um, You know, as you were talking, I reflected on a season when both my husband and I were unemployed. Um, We spent a long season of about nine months of um, unemployment, uh, working just odd jobs. I worked at a retail store. He was a temp and did odd jobs for a friend. And um, I mean, I remember just going, oh, I really would love a new pair of jeans or a new pair of sneakers Mm -hmm. or look at this friend has that vacation and this, that and the other. And I actually had to write a list down in my notebook that said, these are things that I want but don't need. Um, And then I also started a gratitude list. These are things I'm really thankful for. And I find that I'm in that season again, right, as things are tight of going, yeah, I, I want some certain things. Like I would love this pair of new shoes or I'd love that cool new fall jacket, but I don't need them. Um, God has provided everything that I need. And perhaps in the future, he'll provide the resources to do that. Um, But I can't uh, wallow in envy. Um, I can't wallow in bitterness. Um, And I think you're right, that bitterness that can come towards a spouse's job when they're um, bringing in the income, I think it comes with Um, the budget piece, too, but then also when your identity has shifted and you're no longer getting that social interaction, perhaps, that you got from work or the affirmation that you got from work i think bitterness can seep in there as well
2: i'm into that yeah you know Marilyn, i brought you in you know I, I said that most you know in the old t- in the old days not you know decades ago most guys worked most women stayed at home my dad worked and no exaggeration three jobs to keep our mm. family afloat three jobs and and he died at 66 and when he died my mom you know said to us kids I think I wore him out that, you know, he worked himself to death, and she lived 20 years longer than my dad, and so we missed all those years. He was a great provider, and we all knew that, but he paid the cost.
11: Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I thought it was interesting you brought up that, that major shift that we've seen, and I went back to a statistic that I had used recently that Um, It's a couple years old now, but in 46 percent of two-parent households in the United States, both parents are working full time. Wow. And um, it's hard to know precisely, you know, how many of those are working for financial reasons, how many are working because women now have more access to education and some of the cultural norms um, have shifted. And so many women are wanting to work more. Um, but that's a pretty significant shift. In fact, the Pew Research Center um, has taken some of that U.S. census data and broken it down. Um, if any of your listeners want to go look that up, um, they've done some work on how parents have shifted and how they share household responsibilities and um, how they perceive who, which parent is carrying more of the workload at home versus the um, bringing in the budget. So it's really interesting to see statistics but to to realize that it has been a pretty dramatic shift and as we as we look at the shift there are fewer and fewer parents that are um, one is staying home and one is working full time you've got a lot more where one might be working full time one might be working part time and then also um, being a primary caregiver for the children Um, so we have these massive cultural shifts happening um, but we also at the same time I've seen some statistics lately where um, dads are reportedly staying home um, more, or maybe not staying home more, but maybe being more engaged with their kids um, in past, like the, than they have in past years. And I think, I think that's interesting to see all of these trends. I don't know if um, all of them are reactionary to uh, the way that things were maybe when our parents uh, were raising us or grandparents lived, but we're seeing these shifts. And I yes. think it'll be interesting how it plays out in economy and family dynamics.
2: Um, Yeah. As we move forward, I I guess the thing is, you know, what's most important to you and your family, how you see yourself, and the economics, and what it is desire, and how you choose to live your life. Uh, Meryl Herr has been with us. She is the uh, the founder of the Good Works Group Consulting Firm. We found a piece which we loved and raised a lot of interesting questions and emotions, which you just heard here. When you want to stay at home with kids but can't, Meryl Herr, H E R R. Thanks, Meryl.
12: pumpkins, pumpkins, and more pumpkins. Pumpkins are what the Springhouse is thinking about this time of year. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, and we love sharing our farm with you during this beautiful time of year. We've got all kinds of fun planned for you and your family to be able to spend the whole day on our farm pumpkin patch hay rides, a petting zoo, giant square bale stack and pipes for sliding, a hay maze and a corn maze, pumpkin picking right out of the field, old time games under a tent up on the hill, and lots more. And when you get hungry, of course, we have. great eats inside too with lots of pumpkin creations Pumpkin pie, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin bread, pumpkin custard, and even pumpkin black bean chili. Every October Saturday features a family-friendly meal, and October Sundays feature our 4-H hog roast with all the fixings. Plan to spend a memory-making day on the farm at the Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339
9: or springhousemarket.com. If you have an unpaid tax debt to the IRS that you can't pay, please hear this special notice. Specially approved IRS relief programs designed to aid delinquent taxpayers are now in effect that can significantly improve your financial situation. to stop all liens, garnishments, levies and save you thousands. Call and see if you qualify for this taxpayer relief at 800-555-88. 800-555-88. That's 800-555-88. Community tax. Who's your tax guy?
1: Imagine owning a piece of jewelry that once belonged to Bette Midler, Florence Henderson, Burt Reynolds, Shirley Temple, even Elvis Presley. Then don't miss Trinity Jewelers' estate jewelry event, one day only, Tuesday, September 24th. From 10 to 7 p.m., estate jewelry experts from the Singer Estate Collection will showcase a dazzling design display of celebrity pieces and exquisite finds from around the world all pieces will be available for purchase one day only 10 to 7 tuesday september 24th trinity jewelers mount nebo road at trinity jewelers.com
3: injured ben roethlisberger has issued a statement about his uh, ir situation for the rest of the year He says, uh, "quote I've been informed I need season-ending surgery on my elbow to continue playing football at the level I expect. This is shocking and heartbreaking for me to miss this much of a season, and I feel like I'm letting down so many people. I can only trust God's plan, but I am completely determined to battle through this challenge and come back stronger than ever next season. The Steelers committed three years to me this offseason. I fully intend to honor my contract and reward them with championship-level play. I will do all I can to support Mason and the team this season to help win games. I love this game, my team." Teammates, the Steeler organization fans, and I feel in my heart I have a lot left to give.
2: Fabulous. Okay, well, here is hoping Ben recovers fully quickly and comes back super ready to go and way better than ever. Exactly. And the Steelers, along with Ben and the Rooney family, hoist the Super Bowl trophy sometime in February.
3: That would be nice. Sure would be. I mean, that's it's a long way off. It's a high goal. It is a high goal, but, mm-hmm. you know, stranger things I think things my goal, more than that, is just to have the Patriots not win.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, considering the last two games, it looks like they're well <laughs> on their way.
5: Sharing the word
4: that changes the world.
5: 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With
6: SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The Federal Reserve is cutting its key interest rate for the second time this year. The
0: benchmark federal funds rate will drop by a quarter point to a range of one and three quarters to two percent. While the economy is in its 11th year of growth and appears durable, with a solid job market and steady consumer spending, the Fed is trying to head off a range of threats, including economic uncertainties caused by President Trump's trade war with China, weakening global growth, and a slump in American manufacturing. In a statement, the Fed says it's prepared to act as appropriate to sustain the U.S. economic expansion. Ben Thomas,
6: Washington. The Senate has come up short in its first effort to advance a minibus spending bill. On Wall Street, a mixed day as the Dow was up by 36 points to 27,148. The Nasdaq, however, dropped eight points. The s advanced one. Oil down $1.23 today. This is SRN News.
4: The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. In the fury of the storm, they cried out to God to save them.
7: My poor little wife got hyperfermia, and then I I, I kept with her, and and she just drowned on me.
13: (laughs) Now, the storm has passed, and they need God and his people to help them make it through another day.
4: It's, 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 bad. It's really
13: bad. We need help. Families in the Bahamas devastated by Monster Storm Dorian need Word FM listeners to step into their lives with life-saving emergency relief.
6: People saying, I've lost everything. I know anything, you know, you could say, you know, I keep praying.
13: Your generous gift will provide desperately needed supplies to families who have lost everything. You'll provide food, water filters, generators, clean water, chainsaws, tarps, Hygiene kits and other things needed for survival and recovery please. Send help and hope to the Bahamas now. From your cell phone, call pound 250 and say hope. Dial pound 250 on your cell and say
2: hope. Or give online at wordfm.com. You've all helped build MyPillow and the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to Word listeners everywhere. You can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. Now you can get Deep discounts on my pillows, mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. There's even a great body pillow, perfect if you happen to be a side sleeper. Regularly $89.99, but with the promo code WORD, you can get one today for only $29.99. Remember, all my pillow products come with a 60 day money back guarantee and 10 year warranty. It's my pillow's way of saying thank you for all your support. Just go to mypillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, and get deep discounts on all my pillow products, including the body pillow for for only twenty nine ninety nine, Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 for these great radio specials. That's 800-391-0954 or mypillow.com. Promo code WORD.
3: Homeowners love their pillow windows and doors,
4: and we love how happy we made Susan from Sewickley. I just have to tell you, this bay window is
12: absolutely beautiful i mean it's fantastic <laughs> it really is beautiful i mean beautiful can we install some happiness for you right now get 50 percent off installation or 18 months no payments no interest call for your free consultation we'll come to you
4: Eight 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 seven eight 78 pella pellapittsburgh.com get
1: away without going far lose yourself without being lost At Antiochian Village near historic Ligonier, 300 acres of pristine woodlands await to refresh and inspire you. With 100 hotel-style lodging rooms, 20 meeting rooms, amazing food, and award-winning desserts, it's 360 degrees of mountain views bathed in the warmth of Christian hospitality. Book your next church or youth retreat now at antiochianvillage.org.
10: Sunny and beautiful this afternoon with a high of 77. Tonight will be clear and cool, low 54. Plenty of sunshine at Pleasant tomorrow, high again 77. For Friday, mostly sunny, a little bit warmer, high 80. On Saturday, a nice warm day, sunshine mixing with clouds, high 82. And on Sunday, partly sunny and still warm with a high of 84. With your actual weather forecast, a meteorologist Joe Lundberg.
0: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy
1: Emmons. The
3: 2,246 fetal remains found on the property of the late Dr. Ulrich Klopfer, an abortion doctor in the state of Indiana and Illinois. Hold
2: on, wait. You said 2,246 fetal remains. Wait, so... These were babies found right. in someone's house?
3: Dr. Ulrich Klopfer had been what? an abortion doctor for multiple decades, and for some reason that no one has yet discovered, he took fetal remains from the abortion clinic where he worked, which was finally shut down by the government about 30 years too late, back to his garage, where they were stored in formaldehyde in clear jars. Holy smokes. Holy smokes. This story is not that much of a shock to me. It's horrible. It's, it's atrocious. But the world of abortion is horrible and atrocious. It, it just is. And I don't mean that it is any less evil. I just mean I think I've come to expect it. I remember reading the details of, uh, during the Kermit Gosnell trial of what was happening at his Philadelphia abortion clinic. And I thought to myself... We are a country that continues to demand health care for all. And we're seeing a clinic which is dirty, that is overstaffed, that has zero ethics, let alone sanitation. And because we're so concerned about preserving a woman's right to choose, what, we don't even send health inspectors in there? I mean... This is what it is. And as much as we try to talk about abortion in clinical terms and right, as much right. as we try to say, oh, it's just a, a kind of women's health care, I am telling you it is different. It is a dark practice. And around it, you will find all manner of dark practices.
2: Okay, so this doctor, i use that term very lightly, this abortion provider, he performed over these many decades, thousands and thousands of abortions. But for some reason, he took these babies and held them in his garage as a means of what? No one knows. A trophy no one so, knows.
3: I don't know if it was a trophy it could have been a memorial for all I know I we don't know what it was so
2: the, the doctor passed away and his family went to his house to go through the house right they showed up to look at their dad's estate mm-hmm. and then in the garage they discovered this right and, and called the police the police came and said well hold on and then the coroner came and and then they counted this and that's why we're talking about it now right that's horrific
3: It is horrific. I was reading an article in uh, National Review today by John Herschauer, and uh, he brought up an essay that I read many, many years ago. Um, But I think it has—I think it brings a good perspective for us. I think it's important that we take a step back. You know, all of the rhetoric about abortion, about women's rights, and whatever. I think it's—it's important to—to pause. And say, let's remind ourselves what we're talking about. So George Orwell wrote an essay called The Hanging. Now, George Orwell, famously the author of 1984, right? So he was a man who had a particular interest and ability to see things more deeply than society saw them and maybe see a deeper meaning or perhaps to see what what things could look like in the future should the society he was seeing continue unabated, so he the, the essay the hanging i of course don't have time to read all of it was written in 1931 but he writes about a man who's been condemned to the gallows okay and he writes about this man kind of sauntering like kind of like it's not that big of a deal up the steps towards Towards the gallows, towards a certain death, right, exactly no fear. right. Okay, and this is what uh, George Orwell writes: "Quote. He walked clumsily with his bound arms, but quite steadily with that bobbing gait of an Indian who never straightens his knees." Again, this was written in 1931, and once, in spite of the men who gripped him by each shoulder, he stepped slightly aside to avoid a puddle on the path. Now, what's so ironic about this is that this man is going to be dead in the next two minutes, and yet he stops to avoid a puddle so his feet don't get wet, right? And this is what George Orwell writes about that. It is curious, but till that moment, I had never realized what it means to destroy a healthy, conscious man. When I saw the prisoner step aside to avoid the puddle, I saw the mystery, the unspeakable wrongness of cutting a life short when it is in full tide. This man was not dying. He was alive just as we were alive. All the organs of his body were working, bowels digesting food, skin renewing itself, nails growing, tissues forming, all toiling away in solemn foolery. His nails would still be growing when he stood on the drop, when he was falling through the air with a tenth of a second to live. His eyes saw the yellow gravel and the gray walls, and his brain still remembered, foresaw, and then reasoned, reasoned even about puddles. He and we were a party of men walking together, seeing, hearing, feeling, understanding the same world. And in two minutes, with a sudden snap, one of us... Would be gone. One mind less, one world less. That's what happens when we take a life.
2: Stick around, won't you please? In just a few minutes, we're going to talk about the Dead Sea Scrolls and what they mean for us as believers.
4: WORD.
0: In our age of social media, it's easier than ever to feel dissatisfied with your own situation and be jealous of those around you. So is there a secret for lasting contentment? Discover the answer as you join us
1: this week on Truth for Life with Alistair Begg. Tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD.
4: I owed more than $35,000 in taxes. Oxford Tax Partners negotiated my debt with the IRS, and I only had to pay $2,000. They help renew my peace of mind.
1: If you also have a debt over $10,000 with the IRS or you haven't filed taxes two years or more, call Oxford Tax Partners now for a free consultation. 888 512 5281. Taxes are a fact of life. Fortunately, Oxford Tax Partners has made your taxes their business. Let Oxford Tax Partners experts help you negotiate your debt with the IRS. And once and for all, take that burden off your shoulders. 888 512 5281. Oxford Tax Partners understands many clients are on straight. Budgets so they do their best to provide manageable payment plans for every client. Call today and in addition to your free consultation, get $600 off your case. 888 512 5281. With Oxford Tax Partners, say goodbye to tax worries and hello to greater financial freedom. 888 512 5281. 888 512 5281. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what
0: happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly, to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a h.
6: Law.
1: The Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber invites you to their 2019 Taste of Cranberry, Monday, September 23rd. Over 20 of your favorite local eateries and chains converge at the Pittsburgh North Marriott and Cranberry, offering unlimited samples from 5 to 8 p.m. Enjoy an evening of great food entertainment, the Kids Zone by Home Depot, and prizes. Tickets are available now at pghnorthchamber.com. Don't miss A Taste of Cranberry, Monday, September 23rd at the Pittsburgh North Marriott and Cranberry. Visit Lauren Daigle, World Tour. The soulful and powerful voice. July 9th at PPG Paints Arena. With special guest Johnny Swim. Critics everywhere rave about her passionate performances. Rolling Stone hails the two-time Grammy winner as exceptional. Lauren Daigle, World Tour. Tickets on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. at Laurendagle.com, Produced by AEG Presents. In
2: 1946, in 1946, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. And from that discovery, it shocked the world... And for many ways, in many ways, has really given us a a different viewpoint into the Gospels. Here to talk to us about this, about the Dead Sea Scrolls, Dr. John Bergsma. Dr. Bergsma is professor of theology at the Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. He wrote a piece we picked up called How the Dead Sea Scrolls Confirm the Gospels. Dr. Bergsma, welcome to the show.
8: Hey, it's great to be on with you.
3: I think most of us know the term Dead Sea Scrolls, but probably we don't understand exactly what they are and where they were discovered. So let's start there.
8: Absolutely. So the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, came to light in probably the uh, winter of 1947 into 1948 when uh, some Bedouin shepherds were uh, driving their flocks of goats along the shores of the Dead Sea, and one of them tossed a rock into a cave, heard some breaking of pottery, and uh, thought there were some, uh, probably some human artifacts in there. They were hoping especially for gold, Uh, so they climbed in, looked around, and were very disappointed to pull out just three old scrolls that uh, didn't look like they were going to fetch very much money on the market. Of course, one of those scrolls turned out to be a complete copy of the Book of Isaiah from about a thousand years earlier than any complete copy of a biblical book in Hebrew that we had ever had uh, before. Um, but they didn't know that at the time. They ended up selling it in Bethlehem a few months later for about a hundred bucks. But uh, after about a half a year, uh, the scrolls got into the hands of some scholars from. Hebrew University in Jerusalem and and some scholars back in the U.S., and they suddenly realized what they had, and uh, the excitement started to set in in earnest.
3: A thousand years earlier than any documents we'd ever had before then? A thousand years? And there
2: they sat undisturbed.
8: Yeah, they were sitting in a cave. A thousand years earlier than any... um, manuscript of the Bible in Hebrew that we had had. Uh, our oldest copies of the Old Testament in Hebrew uh, dated from about 1,000 A.D., and suddenly with these scrolls, we're looking at, you know, 250 B.C. Uh, as a possible date for what we call the Great Isaiah Scroll, which is kind of the piece de resistance of the whole collection. It was, a, as I said, a complete copy of Isaiah. So that's really astounding to move... A 1,000, maybe even a little bit more, maybe up to 1,200 years earlier in terms of your manuscript witness to to a book uh, like Isaiah. And of course, fragments of many other biblical books were found there, um, as well as, oh, about 700 um, manuscripts of religious writings from a sect of Judaism that uh, scholars call the Essenes, uh, who are kind of a holiness sect that practiced monasticism and, and uh, celibacy, um, and and built uh, communities uh, like the one that uh, that they dug up there on the shores of the Dead Sea.
2: Yes. So then, John, the Dead Sea Scrolls are, are important, I'm sure, for a lot of reasons, but from your perspective, most important why?
8: They're most important for the light that they shed on the Gospel, you know, speaking as a Christian. Um, I am always, of course, interested in uh, ancient discoveries that uh, help us to understand the Bible better. And uh, for years, I really didn't understand why the scrolls are so significant, because I was using them primarily to shed light on the Old Testament, mm-hmm. which they're only marginally helpful for. But actually, the, the real interest of the scrolls is in New Testament scholarship, because they are the only documents that we have that were physically copied during the lifetime of our Lord. You know, I mean, we have many things that were composed during the lifetime of Jesus, but these, these were uh, physically written down while, you know, St. Paul was preaching, while Jesus was walking the shores of Galilee, and even earlier. Uh, so that's really exciting, and because of that, they give us kind of an unvarnished, you know, clear window into the thought world and the religious practice of Jews in the time of Jesus. And, of course, that's very helpful for elucidating certain parts of the New Testament and just kind of getting that understanding that world.
3: Dr. John Bergsma is with us, professor of theology at the Franciscan University of Steubenville, where he's taught scripture since 2004. So, John, what do we know about New Testament life that we didn't know before we had the scrolls?
8: Well, we had some information about this uh, mysterious group uh, that the Jewish historian Josephus calls the Essenes, and you know we had had the histories of Josephus um, since uh, since antiquity, um, but we didn't know how seriously to take what Josephus described. You know, was was he being fanciful? Was this a group that really existed, etc. Well, with the discovery of the scrolls and the and the archaeology that was done on the community. Uh, down below the caves from where the scrolls were found, um, we discovered that, oh my goodness, Josephus was being serious, because what had the, the way that he describes this community um, fits with the archaeology and fits also the internal witness uh, from the scrolls. So one of the things that that really brought home was that there was indeed, for example, uh, a Jewish group uh, practicing celibacy um, and living a common life, Uh, during the years of jesus ministry and uh, that uh, sheds a lot of light for example in matthew 19 where jesus uh, describes those who have um, those who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom Mm. of heaven he's not talking about a future group that would do that he's talking about some of his contemporaries that have done that that's probably one of the most direct references to the essenes that we can identify in the gospels because we know that the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and other groups of Jews weren't practicing that kind of lifestyle, but the Essenes certainly were. So those are some kind, those are some of the kinds of things that, uh, that we, we uh, discover. Um, also, in many ways, the, the language of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the, the phrases that they use, some of the concepts that they employ, show that these words, phrases, ideas, are indeed very Jewish and come from the time of Jesus or even a, a century earlier and and thus many parts of the New Testament, like the Gospel of John, St Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, parts of Luke, parts of Matthew that were lo- long thought to be kind of late and fictional uh, maybe from a second or a third generation of Christians. Now, by comparing their, their language to the scrolls, you're like, oh, my goodness, no, these are not late at all. This is actually how Jews thought and spoke uh, in the lifetime of Jesus, and there's no reason to think that these things are late or um, mm. fraudulent.
2: Really? So in many ways, John, this the, the scrolls showed Jesus in an intimate way and drew us closer to Jesus because they were written by someone who was very close to that time.
8: Exactly. Uh, take, for example, the Gospel of John. Um, there's many phrases in the Gospel of John, like spirit of truth, spirit of falsehood, sons of light, sons of darkness. These were, again, thought to be the, you know, um, indications that the Gospel of John was late, mm-hmm. uh, because it wasn't believed that uh, the first generation of Christians spoke like this. But uh, those kind of phrases uh, we find in in um, very important documents uh, from the Dead Sea Scrolls written in hebrew written you know up to a century before our lord and and during the time of jesus himself so it's really been a sea change in terms of uh the scholarship on the gospel of john um and most scholars now acknowledge yes the the gospel of john reads like a document that would have been written by a jew whose lifetime you know overlapped with jesus's and that's uh that's a big shift from what it was a hundred years ago
2: From Franciscan University in Steubenville, Dr. John Bergsman is with us. We're talking about the Dead Sea Scrolls. So, John, the discovery of these scrolls, did they in any way affect Jewishness? Um, I'm trying to say, you know, so there they were confirming the, the man Jesus lived, a more deeper picture of him. If you were a Jew and these were found in your backyard and you didn't believe in New Testament teaching, this had to give you pause.
8: Well, yes, uh, because the scrolls really witness to a different kind of Judaism that, than we're used to thinking. Um, the, uh, the, the Judaism that, uh, uh, that we're familiar with today is techni- technically called rabbinic Judaism, and uh, it grows out of um, uh, the Pharisaic movement, which is the, the Pharisees were the only you know, branch of Judaism that survived the destruction of Jerusalem in the year seventy. And um, the other kinds of Judaism that were back in the time of Jesus and the time of St. Paul, they were largely forgotten. And when we think about those ancient times, we read everything, you know, even, even the Gospels, you read them only against the background of the Judaism we're familiar with, which really is the heir of the Pharisees. But the, the Essenes are fascinating because um, they uh had practices that resemble the practices of early christians they uh, would gather on a daily basis for a meal of bread and wine which they believe was in expectation of the coming of the messiah Mm. you might even say the return of the messiah uh, the son of david Um, they practiced water washing that they believed uh, was necessary for the forgiveness of their sins and that communicated the holy spirit to them um, they had a, 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 a period of training uh, that you had to undergo uh, to join their membership that was similar to what in ancient times was called the catechumenate, uh, or when you would, you know, study to become a Christian and, and go through that, that period of um, formation. So um, even, even their governing structure, they were governed by uh, a person whose name in Hebrew would translate to, uh, to a bishop. Um, in Greek, if you're speaking in Greek, an episkopos would be how you would translate their name for their own uh, leader. And, uh, of course, you know the early church had um, uh, episkopoi or, or bishops uh, over the local churches in different cities. So, yeah, this is a fascinating uh, branch of Judaism that has all these similar similarities to early Christian practice and really weren't on our radar screen until the, the scrolls are discovered.
3: What about the conversion of um those Essenes to from Judaism to Christianity what do we know about that
8: that's a that's a great question and uh different scholars have different ideas on that and i will just give you what what uh, my own opinion is after studying the scrolls for you know 15 to 20 years now yeah um i think a, a large number of the essenes uh did in fact become christians um the main difference between essenism and um the the preaching of of jesus Um, Well, (laughs) I should pack up. The the, the biggest issue is Jesus himself, his claims to divinity. Okay, obviously, he claims to be the Messiah, and he also claims to be God. And uh, so you have to accept that. If you accept that, the next biggest difference between the claims of Jesus and the faith of the Essenes is over the ritual law. The Essenes were very much concerned about all those washings and keeping all those food laws that we're okay. familiar with from the Old Testament. But for the Essenes who are willing to give up those ritual laws, Jesus would have appeared very attractive. And I argue in the book that some parts of the Gospels, I think, I'm convinced, were written to, to encourage the Essenes to convert. Um, for example, the opening of of Luke, I think, was designed that way. Hmm. That's fascinating. No, no
3: wait, uh, we're just about out of time, but i got to dig just a little deeper in that. What about the beginning of Luke causes you to think it was written to the Essenes?
8: I'll tell you this, uh, exactly why. They were expecting a Messiah from the line of Aaron, uh, who was a priest, and they were expecting another Messiah who was from the line of David. Now, look at the opening of Luke. Who, who are you introduced to first? It's actually not Jesus, it's John the Baptist. Hmm. And what's John the Baptist's pedigree? Well, he's a priest from the line of Aaron through his father, Zechariah. And he comes, and he gives testimony to this other figure, Jesus of Nazareth. And what's his genealogy? Well, he's a son of David, as we find out in Luke 3. Mm -hmm. So I think that John the Baptist and and Jesus are being presented as these two messiahs that the Essenes were looking for.
2: That's fabulous. John, thanks so much. Very interesting.
8: Yeah, you're welcome. Great to be out with you.
2: Our pleasure. Dr. John Bergsma, he uh, joins us from Franciscan University of Steubenville. John is the author of Jesus and the Dead Sea Scrolls, Revealing the Jewish Roots of Christianity. Dr. John Bergsma. replacement company For roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and, of course, windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip down when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company at WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Mention Word FM for an additional 10% off at WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's windows R Us Pittsburgh. 101.5
9: WORD. Beloved friends, I want to tell you something. If there is a most desperate need of this generation to have is to be able to distinguish truth from lies. We have people in the political world and in the Christian world, they tell a lie and they make it sound like the truth. And we need to be discerning. Dig deeper this week
4: on Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef.
1: Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on
2: 101.5 WORD. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville for the extreme in all of us. At extremetruck.net. No matter what your age, life is full of obstacles. Last spring, the students at Grove City College chose their courses for this fall. And now, after school being in session for a couple of weeks... Those plans are set. The students are at work with their eye towards the future.
3: Right. They have to live with the choices they made, right? Right. That's the hard thing about being a student, right? You sign up for something. You're not really sure what it's going to turn out to be like. But as you're in the middle of it, it's hard to keep an eye on what the overall vision is. And that's where I think Grove City is so strong because Grove City maintains that larger vision for equipping students. So as important as your course load is, those 15 or 18 or 21 credits you're taking now are important, but really what's most important is how the school is going to equip the students to perform well in the workplace and be responsible citizens.
2: So as a parent... You wonder about your child, all the work that you've done helping your child along the path. And now at 18, 19, 20 years of age, your child goes out into the world. All that work that's being done, don't you want to put your child into a good situation where Christ is at the center of all learning? That's what happens in a serious discipline of excellence in the educational process that Grove City gives every day on campus. Be part of this. Look online at Grove City College, GCC.edu. Grove City College, excellence in education.
10: Sunny and beautiful this afternoon with a high of 77. Tonight will be clear and cool, low 54. Plenty of sunshine, at pleasant tomorrow, high again 77. For Friday, mostly sunny, a little bit warmer, high 80. On Saturday, a nice warm day, sunshine mixing with clouds, high 82. On Sunday, partly sunny and still warm with a high of 84. With your accurate weather forecast, a meteorologist, Joe Lundberg.
3: Oh, God. That's so beautiful. It's
2: It's so soulful. It's not.
3: I mean, I don't like.
2: Dig that. Seriously. That touches me. That's Kenny G.
3: Can you, Kenny. can you see his long flowing locks?
2: Mm. Kill for those.
3: So, what, his apex was, what do you think, 1992,
2: 3? Yeah, it's, it's hard for me. I mean, I, to be honest, I'm, I'm goofing here. I was never a fan. No. I mean, that's as cheese, as easy, easy listening as you're going to find. It's like the
3: Harlequin romance of pop music. He
2: packs stadiums. People oh. love Kenny G. You know that. Okay, so, so for every action, of course, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So as you hear Kenny G, he revealed, Kenny G did this week to a, um, the Dallas Observer, a reporter for the Dallas Observer, that he and Kanye West have been in collaboration, musical collaboration with each other.
3: Now, I can't picture what this could possibly be like.
2: Now, here's the deal. Uh, February of this year... Kanye West reached out to Kenny Jean and said, I love my lady. Would you come to my house <laughs> and I'm for Valentine's Day, serenade her.
13: Oh, come on.
2: And so that's the first time they met and they became buds and Kanye extended the invitation and said, Hey, we should, you know, we should do something together. And of course you're you know, you're Kenny Jean, you're going, Dig this. I'm with Kanye West. Now, Kanye um, has got a new album set to release next Friday. This is hotly anticipated only because of the title.
3: Yeah, Jesus the King.
2: Jesus the King. Now, Kim Kardashian, she sort of spilled the beans here a few days ago about the title of the of the new release. So people are wondering, what's up with Kanye? Now, the fact of the matter is that Con- Kanye, early on in his career, he showed his theological leanings as well. Here he is.
1: God, show me the way because the devil's trying to break me down. The only thing that I pray is that my feet don't fail me now. And I
2: don't now, that's certainly... I mean, I like it. It's certainly a lot different than Kenny G. Right? So... so
3: how are those two going to come together?
2: We'll find out. Now... Yeah, we'll find out. So next Friday, now Kenny G's saying... Here's how loose this is. This release from Kanye n- released next Friday. Jesus is King. Uh, Kenny G says, "I don't know if I'm on this project. He might be. How
3: does it? Wouldn't he have known by now?
2: I don't know. Maybe they're you know last minute they're putting something in there.
3: So his, his royalty check is is not going to clear until after the album drops. Aren't you? I'm,
2: aren't you curious? I'm really excited about this.
3: I don't know if I'm excited about it, but I am very curious. Well,
2: uh, I'm ex- look. I wouldn't know. Or yeah, real, I, I'm
3: not a Kanye fan. I don't know. If I any of
2: fell them. over the Kardashians, yeah. I wouldn't know who they were. He I'm probably serious.
3: would. He probably wouldn't be glad to know that you think of him as a Kardashian.
2: Well, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, he is in the circle. There's He's no in doubt the orbit. Before. There's yeah, no question is, about yeah. it. So, obviously, he still has big influence, right? within the music oh, community, yeah. the sure. cultural community, Huge. so the if, political
3: community? Yeah,
2: so someone's coming out and he's saying Jesus is king. Here's my latest. really people talking about Jesus. Hey man, that's fabulous. People playing Jesus music, whatever that sounds like, right, right. that's also incredibly cool. Exactly. So bring it on. For and any
3: person, for any person who expresses their belief in Jesus, man, you want to say Yes. Yeah, yeah that's super, super
2: exciting. Duper. Exactly.
13: <laughs> nice. Way to go,
2: Neo yeah. okay. Gang. Yes. I mean, so.
3: Yeah, of course. You want to be excited about that.
2: However, it's tempered a little bit because you got Kenny Kenny
3: G. (laughs) But you might not have Kenny G. It might be the next project.
2: (laughs) We'll take a break, come back.
3: What if Kenny G's like a really nice guy? And then you're going to feel bad. What if Kenny G's a big believer as well? And you're going to feel really terrible. No,
2: no. He doesn't need my approval. He's done more than fine without me interfering in his life. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s and I'd sold her timeshare and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare.
6: Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently.
2: Called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to and I said this is what I said to you that was a lie and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that
11: point people started referring to friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your time, sir, or we'll give your money
2: back. That's what makes us different.
6: Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-515-1771. That's 800-515-1771. 800-515-1771.
13: In the fury of the storm, they cried out to God to save them.
7: My poor little wife got hyperfermia, and then I I, I kept with her, and and she just drowned on me.
13: Now, the storm has passed, and they need God. And his people to help them make it through another day.
4: It's, 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 it's bad. It's really bad. We need help.
13: Families in the Bahamas devastated by Monster Storm Dorian need Word FM listeners to step into their lives with life-saving emergency relief.
6: People saying, I've lost everything. And the only thing, you know, you could say, you know, I keep praying.
13: Your generous gift will provide desperately needed supplies to families who have lost everything. You'll provide food, water filters, generators, clean water, chainsaws, tarps, Hygiene kits, and other things needed for survival and recovery. Please send help and hope to the Bahamas now. From your cell phone, call pound 250 and say hope. Dial pound 250 on your cell and say hope or give online at wordfm.com. Hi,
7: I'm John Henny from Henny Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit
2: HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Kath, what's your feeling um, when you hear someone says, we'll be sending you thoughts and prayers? Does that... Do you have an emotional reaction to that?
3: I feel like people are trying. I feel like it's a nice thing to say that helps people to express but is it a hallmark? sense of... Well, now it's been associated with gun violence in America or... or Your in, thoughts and prayers. Yeah.
2: So so I'm sorry, I interrupted Go, Going
3: you. back to the... I don't remember who it was who wrote the USA Today article. You know, I don't... I don't want your thoughts and prayers. Right. So ever since then, it's been you know now it seems like it's a phrase that's taken on a life of its own culturally.
2: But like you said, but if somebody pe-
3: says it, I think
9: people
2: are. Being, if you're being sincere, yeah, pe-
3: and people are being kind.
2: I'm being compassionate towards right. you and right. saying you know saying, in your I'm, distress, I'm thinking of
3: you and I'll pray for you. Right. Now hopefully people follow through on that and it's not just a moniker that they you know tack onto the end of something because they don't know what else to say.
2: But you know, but, I have,
3: but you can't assess that when someone says, you know, you're in my thoughts and prayers. You're not going to say, really? Do you mean it? Or Are you just saying it?
2: Are thoughts the same as prayers? No. So what's the correlation? So as well, I'm thinking thoughts I, because, of you,
3: because if you know someone who's suffering, a lot of the time you're thinking about them. I'm thinking about them, about them, right, thinking about them. and then other times I'm praying for them. I think those are very. I think yes. it's linked together. I don't think you ever pray for somebody that you haven't thought of, <laughs> or if you, if that's true, right, you're course. probably praying badly because you're not even yeah. giving it any thought. It's
2: kind of mindless. Right. Right.
3: It's also pretty mindless if you're a believer to think about somebody and not pray for them.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Of course. Okay. So we saw a report that now that uh, thoughts and prayers ha- has been uh, given some sort of a monetary value because people are are tired of this. Uh, people who are agnostic or atheist, when they hear this phrase, uh, they get yeah. a little cranked.
3: Right. So... Uh, this is kind of a weird study that somebody did. This is reported by Alan Kim for CNN. And somebody was trying to come up with a way that they could ascertain how people respond to the terms thoughts and prayers. Right. right? I am going to th- – you are in my thoughts and prayers, what that would mean to somebody. So just for the purposes of research, they just assigned like a dollar value to somebody saying that. So if I'm one of the research subjects, John um, – I I recognize the term thoughts and prayers, and there's a dollar one dollar associated with it. So the question is, how much would you how much would I value you saying you're in my thoughts and prayers? So I would value that at a dollar, okay? Or I would value it from Mike at a dollar. But what if a priest came in? What if a Catholic priest came in and said, you're in my thoughts and prayers? I might value that higher. I see. That's a $5. Right. That might be a $5 thing. Now, this really doesn't have... There's no actual connection they're making to monetary value and praying. They're just trying to ascertain how important it is for somebody. They needed to come up with a scale. I see. So what they discovered in the study is that Christians value other christians saying to them you're in my thoughts and prayers they value more than that if a priest says it really yes yes almost double what what really almost double yeah
2: why would that have any because what there's i don't we know we see it we think that you know what is it a priest or is it a pastor it's a priest okay so there's there's a difference here it's just a a theological difference here. So
3: that, I think, reflects that some people think that a priest is closer to God, and so he might have more, what, he might carry more no cred when he talks to God than the average Christian. So this
2: goes back to our conversation, which has become frequent about so-called clericalism, right?
3: Right, because, because the priest is more holy, the priest is more important, and so whatever the priest does, you really can't question because, you know, the priest...
2: Really? Okay, so I wonder then did, if they would break it down a little further for evangelicals and say, you know, there's a difference between between new Mike saying, "Hey, you're in my thoughts and prayers," as opposed to Tim Keller saying, "You're in my thoughts and
3: prayers." Tim Keller. Well, yeah, that would that would be a good question. Except for CNN, they have did not make any distinction between distinction that. between it's that. a priest. It's just it's Christians or religious people or non-religious people. Okay, those so. are the only two groups that they put people in. All right.
2: So then Christians play placed a value on other believers saying you're in my prayers. Yes. And agnostics and atheists?
3: Actually had a negative correlation. So listen to this. Non-religious people, they're calling these atheists and agnostics, were willing to pay to avoid (laughs) a prayer from a priest.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. How much do you have to hate? A lot. To, to pay somebody, please a don't me, don't mention this.
3: Okay, Even I'll give you money not to mention than that. It. Double is bad. <laughs> double is bad. Is that a way to say it? Doubly bad. Yeah, it's doubly bad. Is they would pay almost four dollars to avoid one from a Christian stranger. <laughs> so if someone <laughs> that's is horrible. an atheist or an agnostic online, and something happens to them, and I weigh in and say, <laughs> you know, you are in my thoughts and prayers. That's Absolutely, according to the study, gonna hack them. Oh my
2: gosh. Off. Okay, so then that could be your side gig. Pray for you? Nope. Okay, give me four bucks. <laughs> <laughs>
3: right. oh Make a little gosh. cash on
2: the side by not oh, praying for people. Right, that's how, exactly. like, how, how dark I'll, must you very, be. Very, very dark. How okay, dark but listen. Must you be?
3: Okay, but I think there's a Jeez. deeper thing that's important for us as people who believe to recognize that. Us saying that term to somebody who is not a believer doesn't help, according to the study. In I, of fact, course, I get that. In fact, it hinders. Well, see, I always thought when
2: I hear that phrase "thoughts and prayers," it muddies it for me. I just, I mean, I get that I'm in your thoughts and prayers, but I'd rather just know that I'm in your prayers. Oh yeah, and I don't know why that. Yeah, not all no, be, right. I, you know, no, I get that niggling sort of verbiage there so now but then we go another step because when people say i'll pray for you study show people will not follow through and actually pray for you
3: right so then which
2: also is which problematic is
3: horrible problematic that's just lying <laughs> i mean and lame
2: <laughs> i'll pray for you and then i won't right do you have a prayer list do you have a prayer list sometimes okay I mean, like, you know, like I'm,
3: a, I'm bad about it. Like little, At different times of my life. I've been good about it. And then I fall off and right. then I'm good again. And I, I, right now I'm in bad, but no. Okay.
2: So it's a, before you condemn yourself fully, but when it comes time for you to do this, when you're in prayer, wh- whether it's written down or not, you are thinking of the people. Yes, yes. And so it might not, your recall might not be a hundred percent. Right. But, but you I are,
3: certainly have a list of people that I pray for. Yes. Yes. Right. For sure. <laughs> for sure. You're not
2: blowing people for off. For
3: sure. But no.
2: Hey, Kat, no. thoughts and prayers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What did you maybe say? Not. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm not. I'm going to watch maybe some I'll, Netflix maybe, instead.
3: Maybe I'll forget. <laughs> no. Okay. So, but what does this mean for how we interact online? I think it's an important oh, question to right. ask, right? So we want to, in every sphere of our life, be legitimate, legitimate and be the real thing. Right. So if we find out that saying something is actually going to cause harm. Cause harm or hurt the cause of Christ, then we need to stop doing it, right? Now, but, I, this, but, 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 this is only one study. So I'm not saying that this is the last word, but it has caused me to think maybe me saying you're in my thoughts and prayers isn't helpful to somebody. I don't
2: know about that. I mean, no, just because no, I'm going to keep on praying. As okay. a necessary okay. action to my Lord and Savior, not because I'm worried about upsetting someone.
3: But what if? But but shouldn't we be worried about upsetting someone if we feel like it's going to cause them to have a further block between them and Jesus? Like, well,
2: I'm less worried. I, to be honest, I'm less worried about that. But I'm I'm more, I want more to be in relationship with my Lord. Yeah, yeah,
3: that's a good point. No, first no, no. and foremost, no, no, I get that, I get that. But don't you feel like Christians and social media can be tone deaf?
2: Without we a we, doubt,
3: we 100%. say the we say the Christian language jargon thing, yes. and we just spit that out, and without recognizing that we're talking to someone yes. who has no insider knowledge of Christian circles, and so that language just right. sounds like crazy crap.
2: I get that. I I think probably in all things, it's in the how. However. You reach a certain uh, level of person's uh, indifference or downright anger or, you know, despair over your presence as a believer in Christ. Of course, we're always our own worst enemy here in doing a disservice to our walk. and then the world sees that, so then they hear us and go, "I don't want your stuff." So I I guess it's incumbent upon us in our integrity as believers to be first and foremost integral in all those things. Right,
3: okay. But you're making a good point. I get what you're saying, which is that if someone is in a dark place, there's no way that we can know that.
2: No. So uh, why then would I shuffle or wiggle to compensate for your darkness? Right. I need to be sincere. Okay, so how
3: about this? What if it's just the phrase—
2: yeah. See, the the phrase I've got a problem with, because the phrase always feels a little disingenuous and somewhat cheesy to me. Mm-hmm. It does. And it's become cheese because, because God help us, what's happened to our country that we are, you know, one disaster, one mass shooting, one horrible story. And my response is, in some way, Christian light or God light in this blanket that I'm throwing your way is going to cover you, and that's good to go. It, everything's okay after that, right. even though it's, that it's not. But that doesn't
3: mean anything concrete. It's no. not like I'm actually going to do it, A. And B, it's not like that's going to result in me doing something active for you anyway.
2: Right. But at the same time, I'm not going to say to, you know, a, to, to a blanket statement or to believers, to non-believers the blood of Christ upon you. Oh, gosh. But, yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah, you yeah. get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> then that inflames people, right? That, right. That unto it. Yeah, will yeah. People, So there's no no correct response to essentially be sincere yeah. okay. and to go deep right. in that response. All right. But
3: what if we were just is sincere in what we actually want to do and plan to do? So instead of saying, oh, my gosh, thoughts and prayers to you guys, or what about if we say instead... I'm so sorry yes I, I, will, I will pray for you what yes. about if we said that
2: yes I'm so sorry uh, I see your I see yeah. your pain I, I I feel your suffering and despair you'll be in my prayers
3: yes or what about I will pray for you how could I help
2: even better I'll pray for you yes is there something else I can do for you right would you like a meal do you need a would you like me to babysit mm-hmm. can, action along with the the puff of throwaway the you know where people think well it's just a throwaway it's just it's just words give me something to back up your words then you show me your walk
3: right so then the anger with which people are responding when they hear thoughts and prayers could teach us right. something about how to act like real a real person talking to another real person. I
2: mean, someone's, you know, their house is blown out of the, you know, their house has been destroyed, and I show up with thoughts and prayers, as opposed to showing up with, you know, um, a tent, you know, yeah, or, or lumber and nail guns and, you know, a crew of 10, 10 people to help out. I mean, th- that shows the muscle.
3: Yeah. Okay, so thoughts and prayers. We're not going to say it anymore. <sighs> No, I mean, we're going to no. say it. We're going to say it better. We're not going to say right. thoughts and we're prayers. We're going to say it better. We're not going to say that phrase because we've decided that phrase is is, too, hollow. is hollow and it's too laden with all sorts of garbage and we're not going to do it. So we're going to say something that we mean to do.
2: Yes, I think that's the proper response.
5: If you're shopping for a mattress, you might find that you're paying a lot more for free. Mattress retailers use free delivery, free frames, and free box springs to close the deal. What they don't tell you is that the price of those freebies is already built into the price of the mattress. What if you don't need a frame or delivery? Too bad, you're paying for it anyway. At the Original Mattress Factory, we don't make you pay more for free. You'll only pay for what you need. That's the Original Mattress Factory difference. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more.
10: In a recent episode of the hit web series, Adam Ruins Everything, the show shared some of the scams that are common in the mattress industry. The big markups, the inability to comparison shop, and the conflicts of interest with mattress review sites. At the original Mattress Factory, we agree with many of the problems the episode highlighted. In fact, these problems are the reason we started our company, to offer a better mattress and a better mattress buying experience. Visit OriginalMattress.com or our social media pages to hear our employees' reactions to the Adam Ruins Everything mattress episode.
3: Looking for a satisfying career helping people with disabilities? Consider LifeSteps, who's served Western Pennsylvania since 1923 and offers 100% paid health, dental, and vision premiums for full-time employees. All shifts available. Make a difference and call LifeSteps today at 724-283-1010 or visit LifeSteps.net. That's lifesteps.net to check out available positions. Life Steps is an equal opportunity employer.
13: I thought it was a great experience working with Nello. They were honest, understood what we were looking for. They really went above and beyond. Impact Christian Church on building ministry with Nello Construction. How they spent time with us and got to know us on a personal level really meant a lot to us because they got to know us, not just our building. And that really came out in what they constructed for us. We took this old building that was pretty beat up and to see it transformed
1: into what it is today was truly an awesome experience. Got a vision begin the journey at nelloconstruction.com. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade. Through 47 state-certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community, with results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Driving home is more relaxing without worrying about malware on your devices or identity theft. LifeLock with Norton, outstanding protection for your identity and devices. For limited time, get. 30 30% off your first year ends October 6th. Join at lifelock.com. Use promo code risk.
3: Dentistry, in my opinion, shouldn't be a fear-inducing experience. And it really, I think, goes a long way for patients when I'm able to develop that one-on-one relationship with them.
1: Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at stockfamilydentistry.com.
3: Four or five weeks ago, there was a story about this woman who lived in, I think it was Fort Lauderdale, and uh, she was upstairs in her bedroom and she heard this crash mm-hmm. and she came down and <laughs> found an alligator in her kitchen. Oh my gosh. Can it, you imagine? Which would be v- vaguely terrifying, right? Um, so and then the it was just funny an ancillary uh, statement that the the police released a video because so many people wanted to find out like please tell me what it looks like to have an alligator in your kitchen. <laughs> they released a the video it was very it's funny. It's not HDTV
6: Exactly.
3: Exactly. Anyway, uh, this story that I read today is in the same vein um, this couple, Edward and Kathy uh, Suddeth, they live in Sonora, which is a city roughly 50 miles northwest of Yosemite National Park in California. This just happened Sunday night. They're sitting at home. They're just doing their thing, watching TV in the living room. Yeah. Right? All of a sudden, a mountain lion walks in. Oh, my gosh. What? what? In a their
6: house? A mountain
3: lion walks in. Was he it? broke through a window. And he walked into the living room and he kind of panicked because he realized that there were people in there and he ran into the wife, into Kathy, right? So the husband all of a sudden was like, hey, there's a mountain lion." Exactly. (laughs) And may have said other things that we can't talk about on the air. And so he like... Kind of shooed the cat to go away. What? Okay, because he, I mean he, he was panicking. He didn't know what sure, to do. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he but he said I was cognizant of what was happening, so I got my wife and I into a room, locked the door, and we called nine one one. Okay. okay? Now we've come to understand since then that the police think that the mountain lion was looking for their cat to eat it. <laughs> okay, that's why he broke in. I so see. they saw the cat go in the house, smelled the cat go in the house. So I had to break the window and get in the house. So. But he goes. The mountain lion went into the second floor bathroom, got stuck in there because the door closed. He couldn't figure out how to open the door, and the police had to coax the mountain lion out of the second floor bathroom. They broke a window. They caught anyway. They got him to come out, and that's how they ended it. Coax it out. Ended.
2: You think that they did they tranquilize it because they would have feared for their lives that
3: I don't think they were in the bathroom. I think they were calling for. I don't know. I, I'm I'm just glad the couple is a okay.